episode of Space Flicks. This is the podcast where we review a movie and decide if it's worth the cost of beaming out to a lonely astronaut in the far reaches of space. And uh, if you hear this clickety-clacking, that's because I'm bringing up the movie we're about to discuss. Um, it's Nomadland from director Chloe Zhao. It's No Madland. Oh, no I Mad see. Land. I see. I pronounced it wrong. Okay, so it's No, no Madland. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is the name of this movie. No Madland. Um, uh, Adam, why don't you read the synopsis for us? After losing everything in the Great Recession, a woman embarks on a journey through the American West, living as a van-dwelling modern-day nomad. There you have it, starring uh, mm-hmm. Francis McDormand. And what's the other actor who's in this kind of famous? David Strathairn. Strith- yeah, Strathairn. Yeah. Strathairn. Okay, did you know David Strathairn, Strathairn was in this before watching it? I did. Okay. Uh, I don't totally remember how I knew, um, but yeah. yes, I had, I had, I did know that he was the like the other noteworthy actor in the film. Right. right. Um, okay, so. I don't know about you. The the I like Francis McDormand. I like David Strathairn. I don't. I have no familiarity with, or had no familiarity with Chloe Zhao going into this. Yeah. Um, but I knew that it had a lot of acclaim. But uh, I didn't really know, you know, what her voice was or her style. Um, so I didn't really know what to expect. Did you have many expectations going into this? Well. I had heard so much about, and I, you know, we, we've talked in this podcast about how I certainly I do. And I think you, you have a degree of this as well. Like try not to seek out tons of content about a movie before having seen it. Uh, because just, it's just generally a more enjoyable experience when you know less. Yeah. But Um, sometimes you can't, you can't help knowing that, you know, if, if you see a title come up as like, Best picture, you know, like lots of best picture right. speculation or a lot of critics are saying it's the best film of the year. It's like hard to miss because because that that comes up even if you're not looking for it. Right. right. Yeah. And I think that was um, so there were two things that I sort of knew about this movie categorically going in. The first was the point that you just made, which is this is one of the best reviewed movies of the year and it's up it, it's winning all the awards and Francis McDormand is winning all of the awards as far as best actor or a best actress in a leading role. And so I knew it had that sort of, um, foundational prestige mm-hmm. that a movie like this, yeah. um, is garners along its way to through the award circuit. The other thing that I knew about it was I felt like there was a lot of ballyhooing about the way it was made So I knew that it was uh, filmed in more of a documentary style. I knew that there were non-professional actors in the in various roles playing, you know, lightly fictionalized versions of themselves. Mm -hmm. I knew that it was filmed on location, you know, like all those sorts of stories that you hear about how this was a really authentic experience and they, you know, the filmmakers, you know, did it without, you know, gasp without permits. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, meant, you know, meant to signify 
sort of the boldness and rawness of the filmmaking, um, all of those stories just through just, I don't even totally recall how I purposely tried not to listen to interviews or anything, but just somehow I, I I heard all of this stuff. Right. So that was sort of the baggage that I think, uh, from my vantage was a little bit unfortunate that I carried into the movie because I think, uh, like with any movie that, um, is sort of small and, and handmade and made humbly, it's, um, it's better to not have those two competing things happening at the same time where you're supposed to be, um, wowed by the film sort of like gutsiness, Right. And it's like resourcefulness and sort of pull, extracting a, lo- a lot of value from very little from very few resources. Uh, you you kind of want that to be like its own story. You don't want that like rubbing up against the narrative of this is the Oscar front runner yeah, and it's yeah. going to win all of the awards. You know, it's, yeah. it's a very sort of uh, these are two incongruous thoughts, in my opinion. But that's what that was. The uh, those were the two thoughts that I had. Yeah, I think I think you're right. It feels like there's this sort of natural trajectory to like, as you put it, like these sort of humbler, if you want to call it that sort of um, simpler, you know, works of art where the the artist, the creator is not necessarily trying to make a grand, you know, magnum opus. It's like a it's like an intimate, small, um, thoughtful composition right and so if you're one of the first ones to see it what can happen is is you're like oh this thing is so unassuming so not trying to win me over but in not trying to win me over it completely has you know and i and i love the intimate uh look at these characters or whatever it is and then so many people have that experience that then the movie gets all this hype and then if you come like you and i did sort of on the other side of all that hype, then you're yeah. not going to see a movie that you think that is going to hit you that way. You're even though the movie, it didn't say this for itself. You come in thinking, Oh, this movie's supposed to be amazing. <laughs> right. Right. Um, right. We'll see, we'll see about movie. that. You know, right. like you, I hear your amazing movie, like show me what you got. Right. Um, so I, I'm with you. Well, I, you didn't come out and say this, but reading between the lines of what you were saying, I was a little underwhelmed. Um, not because, not like I didn't like the movie, um, but certainly it's hard for um, a film in this position that's received all of these, you know, rapturous reviews and 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 awards um, to to like live up to that when it's a movie like this. Because, right? I think ultimately for me, it was a film where. I liked the character that Frances McDormand played. I liked all the characters that she interacted with. Um, And I, I felt, but I, at the same time, I felt the movie didn't have that much of a message. uh, At least that, that resonated with me. It seemed like the main message of the movie, if it had one was one of kind of, promoting compassion and like awareness of people in this, um, world. Right. And it, to me, I don't know if you feel the same way. 
this world did not feel to me as unfamiliar as it might feel for a lot of other viewers, which Uh isn't to say that, you know, we grew up nomads or anything like that, but right. Um, yeah, it just, it just sort of like the way that it painted the people across the country that she interacted with. I sort of felt like I know people like this, you know? Yeah. It's, and and it was sort of like, this isn't exactly eye opening for me. It, It feels, it feels kind of familiar. Um, in a right. ni- in a nice way, but yeah, I think coming away from the film, it was just almost like watching watching a very simple, very unambitious film about likable people, you know, who are maybe not the kinds of people you typically see in movies. Um, but it wasn't right. much more than that for me personally. Yeah, so I do think um, the nomad lifestyle. I think. Um, I think I agree that the lifestyle is not so far-fetched or so uh, unbelievable to me as to be sort of uh, this revelation, right? Yeah. And, I, and I don't know. I think it's a little unfair to uh, that I'm assuming this particular posture that I'm assuming. It's like unfair of me. I'm recognizing that that I'm basically acting as if the movie was uh, trying to like blow my mind. Mm-hmm. Right. It, the movie's like, isn't it crazy that people like <laughs> live in their vans mm-hmm. and, you know, don't have a home to live in. And I don't think the movie was trying to be, you know, freshman dorm of college, like, no, certainly not. Yeah, right? it wasn't trying to be mind blowing. Uh, no, no, but I do think there is. Um, I do feel like there's something about the movie that's trying to like open your eyes to this thing, and I do feel like on one hand I appreciate that because I I don't have like tremendous familiarity with this lifestyle, and so it was good to see how are people, what are people thinking, feeling, doing as they are going through this life what does it mean to get a flat tire what does it mean to like have a you know a stomach problem when you're on the road what does it mean to um celebrate new year's by yourself every mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. right the i mean those are it, as as um as just a pure curio right just because i'm it's like oh i'm i'm interested to know what that's like for these folks right that was um it served that purpose. Uh, and I think I'm being sort of unnecessarily combative because I'm acting as if the movie's trying to say like, and isn't that wild. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mm-hmm. don't know that the movie ever tried to make a claim like that, but I'm sort of being a little arms crossed in my <laughs> response to it. Yeah. Um, well, I was like, I, it's not that wild. I, I, I didn't, I certainly didn't feel like the movie was trying to say, isn't that wild. I felt like the movie was, it, it, it felt what it felt like to me was that the movie was trying to um, make me make me see these make me appreciate these people and come to care about these people and I yeah. think it's sort of like these are people that uh, many of us don't care about you know or aren't or don't contemplate yeah like don't just even they're, really they're see, not, it, it's yeah right? it's, it's I feel like it's about seeing these people right right. 
um, I think is the best way to put it. They're sort of the unseen, unspoken, uncelebrated, um, you know, their lives in many cases are pretty hard. What they're doing Mm -hmm. is in many ways, I think they, I forget who in the movie says it, but they say it's like an American, you know, tradition or an America. It's, it's something, something that, that should be celebrated about American culture. You know, this, right. This thing that is deep within our kind of ethos of wanting to be on the road and travel and not be rooted any one place. So, yeah, I I felt that that's what the movie was trying to do is like to help us see and appreciate and have compassion for people like Francis McDormand's character. Um, which, which I think is, is nice, but I think I'm not so far off from you in terms of my takeaway, which is like, I don't, I don't, I don't think that I was completely ignorant or that like, it, it's not hard for me at all to almost like, almost like before seeing the movie, if you Mm -hmm. asked me to imagine what was in the movie, I would say like, pretty close to what is in the movie, you know? Right. Like, right. Um, including all the warmth and all of the, um, you know, all of the humanity, like none of that is surprising or, um, different for me from, from what I would already be inclined to feel about just people in her position. So, yeah, I guess I guess we we probably were in a similar boat. But again, I mean, it's really hard to evaluate this movie as if it didn't have all this hype around it, you know? Right. Because it did. Like, I, I, I'm I'm pretty confident if it weren't for all the hype, I would have enjoyed it more. Quite simply. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. Um, because it's I think the movie is most successful for me when I get to observe the tiny details that make it feel more real. Right. Mm -hmm. I feel like, um, there are some several conversations in the film. I think the film is in some ways built around, you know, just a series of conversations. Um, and, I feel like those conversations are have to carry a lot of meaning and weight, right? That uh, were less success. Those conversations were less successful for me than just observing, uh, you know, her responsibilities at an Amazon packaging facility or observing uh, how she has modded her van to be able to hold in customized ways, like her specific stuff. Yeah. You know, like those are the things that are the most interesting to me. Um, when the movie tries to sort of go cosmic, right. And talk about like the meaning of being on the road. Right. Uh, it just doesn't, it, it didn't resonate for me as, as a universal profundity, uh, nearly as much as just, you know, watching people open cans of soup and, and yeah. eat them. Yeah. Um, so let's talk uh, about themes. I think, um, I mentioned that I'm not, wasn't sure if the movie had a message other than this one. Do you feel like you could name the theme of this movie or do you think there are certain themes that come through pretty clearly? 
I don't think it's, uh, you know, the last film I believe we talked about was Ryan, the last dragon. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. Where uh, we were like, that was one, one where very we, clear message of this. Movie. It's clear, right. Yeah. There's one word. I, I don't totally feel that way about this movie and, and maybe a more astute viewer than I would, would be able to be a little bit more, uh, succinct about this. But, uh, one of the things that I picked up on was this notion of, um, people as social creatures that need Mm -hmm. one another. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was this, there's sort of this tough individualist strain, uh, in America and probably in modern life more, more broadly that is pretty counter to what I think Fern, the character learns about herself, um, Mm -hmm. over the course of the film, which is that she needs help, emotional support, camaraderie of others. Right. Yeah. She Um, is very resistant to that in the, throughout most of the movie. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, the, by the, the sort of, the end of the film reveals a little bit better as to why she is that way. Um, but to me, that was one of the more cogent messages that the, that the film communicates this idea of these people are all sort of, you know, on paper alone in their cars. Mm -hmm. Right. But I would say the thing that probably, um, stands out is how very communal they are and how even though they all travel frequently independently of each other they reconstitute over and over again in different formulations with one another because they recognize sort of the necessity of community even intermittently or you know not non-continuously getting back together and being with one another yeah right? um yeah they, and I think they even sort of expressly call out the fact that many of them, you know, not by choice have, are no longer able to be with family because that family might know, you know, might not be alive anymore or they might not have um, healthy relationships with those family or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, we need one another because we're the only family that right. any of us have. Yeah. Right. Um, and which makes the David Strathairn character's journey so interesting because because he's got as soon up. as he ha- regains access to his own sort of biological family he decides like the road life isn't for him mm-hmm. anymore and that he's perfectly ha- like the road life was just there as a way to sort of f- fill that particular hole mm-hmm. and now that he's doesn't have to he's just not going to anymore so that was the main sort of notion that that I picked up on. Yeah, I would agree with that one. I think it's worth noting that uh, uh, I can't recall if it's all, but a significant number of her employment um, opportunities she gets through other people, right? Yes. She has friends who kind of set her up with jobs and she goes with others. 
she has a particular friend that she has a number of jobs with. She she yep. she works with David the David Strathairn's character at one point. Um, so yeah, it's it that was one of the more interesting things I think that this movie revealed. I'm assuming there's truth to it um, because it it certainly seemed valid that folks in this lifestyle, you know, do make up sort of a community, as you put it, this sort of, there's a lot of discontinuities, you know, people leaving and coming back and they're not all, it's not always the same group of people, but it seems to clearly be a network that um, individuals in the group sort of rely on to help them move from one thing to the next thing. And it's often, you know, often the, the, the moving, the, um, you know, the relocation from one part of the country to the next is driven by what the opportunities are, right? Yeah. There's big events in different parts of the country or, or big seasons or big, you know, whatever things that are short lived, um, including, you know, including the Amazon jobs. Right. Um, so I think that reinforces this idea that, you know, basically none of us is completely independent. We need each other. Um, and I think the point you made about, um, I should look up what his actual character's name was Dave. Oh, perfect. (laughs) So Francis, Francis is Fern and David is Dave. So that's pretty easy. Um, the thing about Dave that I think points to another related theme in the film, which to me feels like that there is a bit of tension between and I think it's within every individual but um, you know Fern really wants to be on the road Um, she kind of longed for adventure there's there's a scene where she's talking to her sister and she says you know you always wanted to kind of go out there and and not be rooted in any one place right yeah Um, and so I think I think the the film is somewhat in, intentionally, I don't know if you would agree with this. For me, it seemed pretty intentionally like um, agnostic towards whether the nomad lifestyle is good or not. I mm-hmm. think it, I think um, she herself feels this pull um, and talks about it as a thing she always wanted to do. But at the same time, she speaks very nostalgically for, you know, she misses her late husband and they had a life together. And when Dave invites her to be with him, it's one of those, to me anyway, it seemed like one of those situations where there's not really a right choice for her. Um, There's like the pull to explore and be out on the road and not feel rooted. And then there's the appeal of feeling rooted and staying right. Right. With someone. And so I, to me, I, I felt like the most, the clearest interpretation of the events of the film are just that that's a tension that we all feel. There's the wanting to go out and there's the wanting to stay put. Um, and it was just sort of acknowledging it to me. Not saying, you know, not glorifying the nomad lifestyle, but also not, but also not trying to say that there's anything wrong with it. Yeah, I think it, it ultimately is uh, the nomad lifestyle is a the movie presents it 
from where I sit as a tool that you use to um, meet whatever needs you have, uh, but it's not inherently better or worse than any other lifestyle, right? Yeah. Um, I think uh, people, you know, there's certainly a financial component to it, right? People are unable, you know, for in Fern's case, she's on. Um, well, actually, is that totally true? I guess so. She's unable to continue to live in a home. I think right? so she because like, she because she loses she the find, house. She can't find a job that's just a stable job, right? That is going to be full time. Right. She's she's drifting from one part time opportunity to the next. Yeah. And so, and when she, I mean, it seems kind of silly to talk about this movie in terms of spoilers, but this is a spoiler. Oh, yeah. Warning. I've pretty much already spoiled some things. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, when she revisits her home at the end, toward the end of the film, am I correct in saying that she no longer owns that house? Yeah, she's, I don't She's think so. trespassing on, and, but nobody does. It's just an abandoned house, basically. Right. I don't know if they ever spell out exactly what happened just like on a, just a technical level to her house or, you know, the town. I mean, it's just like a, it's a ghost town now. Right. Well, yeah. Wasn't it a mine? Didn't like a mine shut down. Um, and something like that, something like that. Right. So her husband worked for the mine for decades or something like that. Mine shuts down, you know, husband gets sick, dies. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there's just nothing. Yep. There's just nothing left. Um, and so uh, so I think there's a, certainly a financial component to the nomad lifestyle. Uh, people just can't afford to be in sort of uh, stereotypical American dream, you know, white picket fence, house, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but then and there's the emotional component that we talked about earlier um, where they like they don't have you know, a tribe at home, uh, or, 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 a, or whatever tribe they had is gone. And so they sort of turn to the, the road as both a place that you have to live somewhere. So might as well live in the, in the car, might as well live in the van. Um, and you might as well turn to the people who are doing the same thing to sort of fill that emotional need that you have. Um, but if you can meet those needs in a different way, as the Dave character does, then, that's fine too. Right. I think Fern feels a little betrayed by him because mm -hmm. I think she views the lifestyle at that point in time in the film as sort of its own, its own end. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's, it's, it's its own innate good. Yeah. Right. And I think, um, you know, the Dave character views it the way that I'm articulating it. He's like, this was, this was simply a, a tool that I used to sort of cope. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I think that, you know, even, even the major characters in the film probably view it a little bit differently than, than the way I'm describing it. Like one might view it the way that I'm describing it and Fern probably doesn't. Um, but that's sort of the way that I think the film's position is more like Dave's position, which is like, this is a, it works for some people and not everybody. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's funny. It reminds me of, um, when you say she felt betrayed by him, I could see that. I kind of know what you mean. And, and it reminds me of the, uh, scene we discussed in the sound of metal where, um, Uh Ruben is, uh, is planning to leave the, the center, for the death and how that is in a sense of betrayal because, because it's like, to choose to walk away from a community, right? Is right. basically in some on some level it's a rejection of that community. And right. Obviously Dave doesn't Ruben doesn't mean it as a as a judgment of them nor does in, in that movie nor does Dave mean it as a judgment of the nomad group in this one. But uh right. Yeah, I think that's very human to kind of get defensive and feel a little betrayed in a situation like that. Yeah. And I think that for not only is Fern sort of, uh, developing an, uh, strong loyalty to the nomad culture. I think she's very sort of plainly disdainful of sort of the typical, uh, American system of go into, you know, get a mortgage, which is effectively saying take on a huge amount of debt. Yeah to live in a home that you potentially can't afford. You know, there's a confrontation she has at her sister's house, you know, two thirds of the way through the movie that, um, where she plainly states this in a backyard sort of garden party. Right. Um, and so I think there is a, she certainly has an antagonistic relationship with sort of like legacy, you know, ways of thinking about home ownership and, and you know what your obligations are to society to play that particular role. I think she's sort of like I played that role for decades, and it got me nowhere. It got me nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm sort of very, uh, you know, disdainful of a person who would run back to that lifestyle. Mm. Right. Um, I don't think she ends there, but I think that's sort of an emotional state that she finds herself in, sort of midway through the film. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. I think we're kind of drifting from, I think we're done talking about themes. I think the next thing we do is just talk about the best parts of the movie, like highlights. Um, so let's do that. What, what's, what's something you really liked about this movie? Well, I think before we hit the record button, I, I said to you, I was like, this is going to be a weird one uh-huh. for me. Uh, and I think this is maybe the question that highlights that the best because I think with almost every movie we've talked about, I could point out, I was like, oh, well, that scene's incredible and that's really great. Loved that part of it, mm-hmm. right? Even if there are parts about the movie, you know, we've t- certainly talked about movies that we didn't love, but there were parts that we loved and we could certainly, you know, drill in on those and, and really explain why we thought they were special. And I think the the sort of peculiar feeling I have after having watched Nomadland is um, how it sort of washed over me, Mm -hmm. right? But like very little was left, you know? Like very, there were very few scenes that struck me as like, oh, that was great. I really loved that, right? Right. Um, And so that was, so I'm, that was the long-winded way of saying like, I don't have a lot. Right. I don't have a lot of things that really sort of landed with me and, and made me think like, oh, goodness, you know, what a, a that's a thing that I will think about again. Right. Right. 
What about you? I mean, I almost am looking for an assist here. Like, <laughs> what are what are, do you have some nominees here for best parts of the movie? Well, I think there's there's scenes, and then there's um, then there's like aspects of the movie. You know, I I, I liked um, I really enjoyed her various relationships. I think Linda May was kind of her best friend. It seemed right. Um, yeah that I think it started out with them at Amazon and Linda May worked with her on some other jobs. At like the campground. Yeah. Yeah. And I I thought that was really touching. Um, just her friendships with her. And then there was another character whose name I don't remember, but you know, the character who was into rocks (laughs) and, uh, Uh talked about seeing like seagulls or whatever it was. Um, that was swanky. I believe swanky. Yeah. Um, I, I did like the characters she met. And then, and then lastly, there was the, the guy who sort of looked like Santa Claus. They even joke about Bob. it in the movie. Bob. It's Bob, Bob who, Wells. Who yes. runs sort of a, sort of the leader of a community of, of nomads. Yeah. I think he like organizes a retreat or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And then, you know, there's multiple scenes that, sort of his area, his camp, if you want to call it that, where they'll be sitting around a fire and maybe they, they're singing or, you know, um, that he just, he, he seems to be someone who is, um, he's, he's a community, he's like a community organizer, right. For, right. for nomads who, who gets people together and, um, creates a welcoming space for everyone. And she had some good conversations with him. So it's not like I could point to, oh yeah, this scene with Linda May or this scene with Bob, but I like those characters. I felt like they added right. a lot of richness to the movie. Um, I think beyond that, another thing, I don't really know where else to, to make this point. This This is a, it's weird to call it one of the best parts of the movie, but I just wanted to mention because we were talking about um, how it opens your eyes to certain things or in some ways just makes, you know, is a bit educational, like to help you understand, as you put it, like the ramifications right. of having a flat tire, these kinds of things. I felt something that probably impacted me more or one of the things that impacted me the most, I think, as far as what happens in the movie would probably be when, and I don't even remember exactly what the problem is, but her van is having some issues and she takes it into the shop and they're basically saying she should just get rid of it and get a new van. Right. And to me, I think the movie had done a good job helping you to understand just to the extent to which she had, put her, you know, heart and soul into this van to try to make it her home. And and the fact that these guys at the shop, they like, they couldn't possibly understand, you know, she's sort of when they're like, you should just probably, you know, it would cost this much to repair. So at that point you might as well just get a new one. It's like, no, you're, you're basically telling me to get rid of my home. Right. Right. And that, so that was very moving to me. It sort of made me realize, wow, like, I live in a house, you know, I own a house and Mm -hmm. if someone were to just be like, 
look, the amount of damage to your house <laughs> is mm-hmm. so great that you should just get rid of it, you know, and get a new house. Right. It would be sh- pretty shocking. I mean, it would be hard to, uh, well, I mean, you know, it could happen, but it's like, but for someone else to not realize what a big deal that is, right, I think is yeah. the other half of it. That right. That to most people in this world, a van is just a van, you know, and if it's right, if it's rickety enough, <laughs> then, yeah, it's probably time to get a new one. Yeah, I think it uh, helped. Il- it helps illustrate there's a um, I don't know if the movie was attempting to make this point directly, but a thing that I took from that sequence was there's a there's sort of a wily coyote element to the nomad life, right? Like you're driving your home, mm-hmm. right? And cars as a concept, they go, they like stop working yeah. after a certain amount of time. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, and you're, and you're using your vehicle in precisely the way that's going to cause it to, you're driving it hard, mm-hmm. you know, for thousands of miles. Right. Um, and so it's sort of like, how do you think this ends? You know what I mean? Like this doesn't end with, you know, you just being able to drive this car for 20, Forever. 30 years. Yeah. Right. Like it eventually will just not work. Right. And you, you will need a new, you will need something at that point. Um, and so like, I don't, the movie never really sort of directly gets to that. I mean, I think the closest it gets is, in something like the character of Swanky, where basically she's like, you just have to know how to maintain this thing well enough until basically you can, like, until you're done, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it just sort of struck me as, like, this interesting contradiction. It's sort of like, this is your home, but fundamentally you are using it in such a way that's going to cause it to not be a viable home for you, like, after too long. Yeah. It's pretty rare that you see a van you know, 20, 30 years old, still just like doing fine. Right. Right. Well, at the same, I mean, so there's like a certain lack of, I guess you could say logic to it, but I think at the same time, it's very easy to understand how someone would fall into that sort of mentality. I mean, people do become very attached to their cars and people, uh, People do like act as if their cars will work forever, right? Right, right. Um, and and I'm being a little bit uh, nitpicky unnecessarily. Like I don't think any character in this movie is like this car is going to last forever, right? right? Um, and I also think uh, a, a natural practical re- rebuttal that one might have to the point that I'm making is like I will deal with that problem mm-hmm. when it becomes a problem, right? Right. There's no reason for me to worry about this van, you know, not lasting me until I'm 105. Right. Right. Like I'll worry if the van truly doesn't run anymore after a certain point in time, I'll probably deal with it at that point. I don't know how. Who cares? Right. Yeah. And I mean, people do have cars that they've had for decades, you know, just presumably they've had a lot of repairs done to them. And yeah, I think probably in pure in pure financial terms, at a certain point, it becomes not 
uh, sort of not worth it, but it just depends on your emotional investment in the thing. Right. 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 Um, okay. Well, I guess we could move on to fix the movie then. If you don't have much else to say as far as best parts of the movie. I think for me, it's all moments. It's it. There's not. I, I think we have a bias, or at least I do, towards scenes, mm-hmm. right? I want to talk about scenes that are great, and in this movie, I don't have so much that feeling. But it's all little moments. It's like Fern going for a walk and seeing um, like a motorcycle gang mm-hmm. or something. Not not a gang. That's the, but in the background, like I remember that shot. I remember. Um, her lending a lighter to like a young nomad mm-hmm. and then him giving her a lighter, you know, months or year, who's to say, you know, Very, later in the, yeah, much later in a probably totally different part of the country. Right. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's stuff like, it, you know, it's stuff like that. Her lighting a sparkler sitting in her van Right. For, to celebrate New Year's. These are like the little moments that I remember mm-hmm. and will stick with me um, less so than, you know, some of the any of the bigger stuff surrounding it. All right. But, yeah, I'm I'm game to move on to to fixing this puppy. Well, let me ask you this. How how do you feel about this movie Starring Francis McDormand and David Strathairn, but then otherwise having a bunch of just actual nomads in it. Did that feel weird to you at all? Um, I, I mean, did, did I have a problem with it? Was I sort of uh, artistically or morally bugged by it? Uh, what's your, do you have a particular sort of angle you're poking at here? Um. I guess the angle that I'm poking at is not, I certainly didn't have any moral problems with it, but there's something about it that felt a little pointless to me. Like Uh it's a movie that's so realistic. It seems like primarily what the movie's going for is this is just a real, you know, glimpse into this person's world and their life. And the story is not, it's not like there's anything that special about her story. It's her story seems very just run of the mill in a way that seems intentional. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's a part of it. There's a part of me that having watched the movie felt like, why did they even, why wasn't this just a documentary? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or, yeah. or, or like, why did someone write a script of what was going to happen in this movie, it seemed like the whole, everything they were going for was realism and just trying to give you as intimate of a glimpse into this life as they could. And they even Mm -hmm. got a bunch of real people who really are living this life. So like, what was, I, why did they get Francis McDormand and David Strathairn to like, just kind of like join the group and kind of pretend like they were like the other people when, yeah. when the effect they were going for was like not anything that you would need to do in a non-documentary style, like fictional movie. Well, why would you cast an actor? I mean, there's an obvious, the there's an obvious role. commercial reason, right? To just raise the, sure. 
commercial like viability basically would it just be really i think in some ways um this ultimately is even though it's really loose and really elliptical this is a narrative film Mm -hmm. you know what i mean there's a story being told here about a woman who is coming to terms with not having her husband in the picture anymore yeah right um and she has to go through a few different experiences and um you know and sort of things that transform her and make her more accepting of that and more able to sort of navigate the world solo um and so i feel like in order to do that the the film ultimately i guess the point being the film has an agenda Mm -hmm. right the film is trying to communicate a story to you and so you cannot just point the camera at whatever nomad happens to be willing to let you yeah and even potentially even willing to let you follow them around right and still plan on being able to fulfill that agenda you just don't know right you can't control people Yeah, you're, you're right. I think, I mean, I think that is the answer. I think, I guess I would still say the story to me, I understand that it had a story it wanted to tell. I still think that story is not, I'm sort of skeptical that that story is significantly more interesting or meaningful than, Mm -hmm. than the story they would have gotten if they just chose to find a person like Fern and follow her for a year and right. just learn whatever she learns, you know? Yeah. But that is, that is more frightening. Yeah. It's much more right? up to chance for sure. I think, you know, in a, in a, a documentary, there, there's many different forms of documentary, right? One that are some that are trying to communicate a argument, right? And it's like, and the movie is evidence for the argument, mm-hmm. Right. Um, but there are others that are just sort of watching a person be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I get your point. You're this, this movie was attempting to tell a story, Mm -hmm. an actual story. So if you just took a pure documentary approach, it's like, there is a chance you will get a story, (laughs) but there's also a chance you won't really. And it'll just feel like a lot of you know, a year in the life of X, which right. certainly things will happen, but it might not have the kind of trajectory you would, you were hoping for. So I think yeah, you're right. That's, so th- that's the reason it, it, um, so I guess I wouldn't, I would rescind it as a suggestion to fix the movie. Um, but that's how it, it is nonetheless how I felt when I watched the movie that I felt a little confused that we even needed these two professional actors. Yeah, well, I think I think ultimately I'm coming out the same side that you are, which is I, I'm going to say it, you know, inartfully, but like the story's not that good, you know, like the story's not that interesting, and so to, it's sort of like you, you know, you put this extra effort into like having something resembling, you know, the skeleton of a story, and you, you hire actors and 
you surround them with all of this authenticity to sort of make the world believable. And at the end of the day, I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of just telling on myself, but basically it's like the, the tale that the movie's telling just didn't, I don't think based on my reaction versus the number of Oscar nominations this movie got, uh, it's like, I don't think I was as moved by the story in here as probably a lot of other viewers were. Right. Um, and so I think in some ways the proof is in the pudding, right? Like it's a great idea, (laughs) right? Surround these actors with, you know, non-professional actors and tell the story you're looking to tell because who am I to argue this movie's got like six Oscar nominations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was, it was clearly moving to a lot of people. So, I mean, I think that's good. I just, it, it sounds like it was not quite as, uh, or really, frankly, not nearly as impactful to you or me. And that's right. okay. That's all right. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm kind of coming up empty-handed. Other than those, that one thought, I don't really have a lot that I would suggest to fix the movie. I don't think it's broken. I don't think there's anything wrong. So, it's it feels to me like where we're landing is we both appreciate the movie um, and things that it did well, and that we don't dislike it, but that it also just isn't uh isn't really hitting us hard where it counts right right which is okay <laughs> well is there anything else we should even say uh what else we should say have some closing thought about nomadland before we wrap well, up. well i thought. mean so the um the the thought that i have and i we don't have to go down this particular rabbit hole if it's unproductive to you but i think about the movies that you know that are in this class right there's the class of 2020 which is always going to be a peculiar year we'll go down in the record books it's a peculiar year for movies right um but it's it's classmates are movies like mank minari um uh, what are some of the other big movies that came out in 2020 that are going to get like trial of Chicago seven mm-hmm. Judas and the black Messiah, the five bloods, right. Um, some, some, a lot of movies that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's something very sort of frustrating to me and maybe it's just me. And if it's just me, then it's fine. Uh, about, this movie walking away with like best film of the year, mm-hmm. you know, hardware. Uh, when I feel like most, not all, but most of the other films I rattled off just there are to me just bigger, more exceptional, more exceptional films. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that I think that's the thing that sort of, uh, I think grinds, my gears with this movie that's sort of not really the fault of this film. Right. But it's more like if this movie were just a little like movie that could and wasn't sort of this, you know, beast of a front runner when it comes yeah. to like winning best picture. It's so funny I feel like to I'd describe be like, this movie as a beast. I know, but, it's but I know crazy. Yeah. 
like, um, it's just sort of like, uh, I think I would be like, oh, that's a sweet movie. I'd recommend that. You know, Mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's a good, that's a good, I mean, it's not too long. Is it? How long is this movie? An hour 47. Yeah. It's not too long. Right. Um, if you like Frances McDormand and I do, right. Like get to hang with her for the entire time. Um, and so, but the fact that it's going to win potentially at the expense of, uh, movies that I loved, right. Mm -hmm. Um, just feels like really that, you know, that's the thing that's going to stick with me if this wins it's, it's, um, and it's not, again, it's not the fault of this movie that, that, that it just happens to be in the same class as a bunch of movies that worked for me better. Um, but, uh, but that'll be sort of the, the stain that's on it. So in some ways, my fix the movie would be uh, don't win Best Picture. Yeah, retract its uh, Academy Award nomination. <laughs> I'm, total, I'm totally fine with it being nominated, yeah. right? That's, that's cool. Just like, please let another movie <laughs> win well we'll see right? we'll see we'll see all right so we're not beaming it up i'm gonna not even attempt it to i'm i wouldn't put that false would. suspense in there uh so we're not gonna beam it up because for i think yeah for you and me this like put it this way i haven't attempted to make my top 10 list yet but i feel like this movie won't even be on it uh for me right. for 2020. So right. there you have it. It's not among my favorite movies that came out last year. I do think it was a sweet, you know, touching uh, movie and I liked the characters in it and I, yeah. And it's I an liked, interesting experiment, right? right? It's right. unconventional. And for that, it deserves praise, I think. Yeah. So it's got some good stuff. Definitely worth checking out if you wanted to get a glimpse into this world. But I guess for for at least for me and Adam, that's about it. So there you have it. <laughs> there you have it. There, there you are have our it. thoughts on Nomadland. And, you know, good performances by Francis McDormand and David Strathairn. They were good. For sure. For sure. But I would expect nothing less. Uh, they're both actors I, I think generally think of as pretty good. So, all right. Well, let's stop wasting anybody's time. Let's just call it. That's the end of the episode. Thanks for listening. As always, I'm Dan. I'm Adam. Goodbye. Bye, everybody.